0: alaykum rahmatullahi wa So I want to welcome you all back uh, to the first after we had a two week break uh, for Eid obviously. And the last person that we spoke about is usually only spoken about in the story of the man that we're covering tonight who is Abu Hurairah but alhamdulillah we had a chance to talk about Tufayl al-Dawsi ta'ala anhu in great detail uh, two weeks ago and to really treat his story for the blessing that it is on its own. And that gives us the opportunity to go into the story of Abu Hurairah understanding that background. So if you haven't watched it, then please do inshallah to go back and review your notes because it really is enriching to the story of Abu Hurairah, himself. So the man that we're talking about today is extremely difficult to cover in one hour. Uh, I cut a lot of notes out, tried my best to keep this to one biography because we could honestly spend five or six lectures with him alone. But inshaAllah ta'ala, maybe in the future when this is written out, uh, some of those extra details can be put in bithnillahi ta'ala and we can actually understand the person of Abu Hurairah, anhu and his legacy and his history with the Prophet and the Companions a bit more to gain a greater appreciation for him And his title, when you go to the great book of Seer Alamun nubula by Imam al-Dhahbi, his title is a long title and the pages of people that narrated from him are longer than most chapters as a whole for other people. Meaning if you took the biography of someone else in the book of Seerah Alam al and, and you just compared it to the pages of Abu Hurair about who his students were, in the introduction of who he is, those pages are longer than most biographies in the entire collection of biographies by Imam Al-Dhahabi His title, Al-Imam al faqih Al-Mujtahid al Hafiz, Sahib Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa Abu Hurairah Al-Dawsi اليماني سيد الحفاظ الأثبات It's a beautiful title, the imam, the jurist, the uh, mujtahid, the scholar, the hafiz صاحب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم, the companion of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم أبو هريرة الدوسي uh, from the tribe of al اليماني from Yemen سيد الحفاظ الأثبات the leader of all of those who were firm in their memorization not just of the Qur'an but of multiple other things as well. So this is the man who, of course, narrated the most ahadith from the Prophet sallallahu Narrated more narrations from the Prophet sallallahu than any other human being in history. And there is this great discrepancy between the narrator and the person. What I mean by that is that aisha radiyallahu anha who narrates after Abu Hurairah anhu this great body of ahadith from the Prophet sallallahu we know about Aisha radiallahu anha as a person, you know her biography, our mother, may Allah be pleased with her. But when it comes to Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the average Muslim knows very little about his life. Yet, when you read any book, it is an Abi Huraira, it is from Abu Huraira that you hear from the Prophet sallallahu And so that's why I really want to focus on the person of Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu uh, in this lecture in particular. As for the defense of Abu Hurairah that's a genre in and of itself. Why? Because anyone who wants to attack the Sunnah of the Prophet will go for the easiest target, and he is the easiest target. If you discredit Abu Hurairah, then you can discredit the entire hadith tradition, then you can open up the Qur'an to whatever you want to with your interpretation, and then you can turn Islam into something entirely unrecognizable. And so I say this without any hesitation and i'm not the type as you all know to refute this person and refute that person or start naming people but i don't say this lightly because the companions of the prophet if you want to know someone who has deviated from islam that poses as a scholar or a thinker look at whether or not they attack abu Huraira. it's the easiest filter to say this is a person who is going to take me away from the prophet because it is a gateway to attacking the Prophet ﷺ himself and then questioning the entire process of recording history in Islam. All of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ agreed upon the integrity of this man. They narrated from him. All of the authors of the six books of hadith agreed upon the integrity of this man and recorded his ahadith and considered them the strongest chains. And then someone shows up in the 21st century and says, actually, he's this, 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 and that. And it's not a problem with the Prophet like it's a problem with Abu hurairah But that means there's really no such thing as the integrity of hadith sciences. And that means how do you know how to pray five times a day? How do you know how to do wudu' properly? How do you know how to fast and the rules of fasting? And so it's important to familiarize yourself, I think, with that side of things, the defense of Abu hurairah radiallahu anhu. There was a wonderful article that was written by Brother Abdullah al-Hallaq uh, on Muslim matters just a few months ago in defense of Abu Hurairah. These are just small English resources. Mufti Muntasir Zaman, mashallah, MashaAllah, from Qalam, has done incredible research in defending the integrity of Abu Huraira radiAllahu ta'ala anhu. So if you want to see that genre, it's easily found, inshaAllah ta'ala. But he is a filter, right? If someone's attacking him, that means that the next step is questioning everything that you know about Islam from the basic foundations, that the average Muslim understands about Islam is going to be uprooted in some way. So let's talk about the person, okay? Now just a, s- a slight recap from at Tufail radiallahu ta'ala He was from the tribe of what? What's the name of the tribe? Ad-Dos. Ad-Dos, And this tribe was famous for all the wrong reasons. Drinking, gambling, partying, everything wrong they were famous for. And Abu Huraira radiallahu was famous for all of the right reasons, right? But if you remember, subhanAllah, there's just a few reflections I wanted to share. When Tufayl was coming to Mecca, Abu Lahab went out to him to try to make sure he would not hear what the Prophet ﷺ had to say. And look at how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would make history. It was the young man he would bring, the Prophet ﷺ, he would bring to the Prophet ﷺ that would cause more people to hear what the Prophet ﷺ has to say than any other human being in history. So look at how Allah foils their plans. They go to Tufayl to say, don't even look at the Prophet ﷺ. Don't listen to him. He's a sorcerer. He's a magician. He's going to possess you and mess you up. And it was the young man that he brought with him that narrated more on behalf of the Prophet ﷺ than any other human being in history. It's also in that slight interaction when Tufayl gave up on his people and he told the Prophet Sallallahu make dua against them. There's no good in them. I tried with them. I tried calling them to Islam. No good and dose." And the Prophet instead said, Allah mahdi dosa, O oh Allah guide dos, wa' tibihim. Bring them to me. And no one brings us to the Prophet more than Abu Huraira عنه, the young man who otherwise would have been destroyed by the dua of the Prophet against the tribe of dos. And subhanAllah look at what we benefit from today. And if you remember, when the Prophet met Abu Huraira, this young orphan boy who converted to Islam along with the chief of the tribe before the others did. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Where are you from? He said, From Daws. The Prophet ﷺ said, Ma kuntu ara Ahadan Fihi Khair. I thought there was no good in anyone in Daws. But here you are, this young orphan boy coming to the Prophet ﷺ to serve him and to learn from him with everything that he has. So let's talk about him Now he said he is an orphan. There's a narration that his father was a man by the name of Umayr ibn Amr. Ibn al uh, which was the name of one of their idols of Dose, of course, uh, Umair ibn Amr, and a Tabarani narrates the name of his mother, Maymuna bint Sabih. His mother is going to be an important figure in the story. Maymuna, another Maymuna, and can anyone remind me what the word Maymuna meant? Please, it'll make me feel better about my teaching here. Blessing, Mubarakah, right? So Maymuna comes with uh, Abu Hurairah in the story, and we're going to learn about her as well. She has her own special story with the Prophet ﷺ. So as for him, his name, uh, according to a narration from him, before Islam was Abdi Shams, the slave of the son, Ibn Sakhar, okay, Abdi Shams. Now, Zahbi narrates a bunch of possibilities about what his name was. He could have had multiple names in Jahali in the days of ignorance, or this was the, the strongest opinion that his name was the Slave of the Sun. And the Prophet of course, uh, changes that name to Abdurrahman. To Abdurrahman. But he's famously known as Abu Huraira. Now, he had, according to uh, Ibrahim al-Fadl al-Maghzumi, he had a bad nickname in Jahliyyah as well. So he didn't just have a bad name, but he had a bad nickname as well. Uh, And the Prophet changed both the name and the nickname. The name and the nickname. Because, as Allah says, Do not maim people with nicknames. Now, subhanAllah, I don't want to go into a tangent here, but it is a beautiful reflection that you see some of the ulama mention. The Arabs had this habit with bad nicknames, alright? Where they call you by something that you didn't like, but it was something that they remember you by. Okay? So, if a person has a physical trait, that they're not even happy about. Everyone calls them by that physical trait from there on, and you like it or you don't like it, that's your nickname from now on. And the Prophet did not just change people's names to good names. He hated bad nicknames too. He he said, give people names that they like. Call people in ways that they like to be called. Look at the excellence of character from the Prophet Give people nicknames they like and call them by the names that they like to be called by most. So what is the story of Abu Hurairah's nickname? He says about himself, kun Ahli, I was a shepherd for my people. So this is the first insight you get into him. He's an orphan and he's a shepherd. Right? And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that there are special traits about these shepherds, these unknown shepherds that tend to the sheep in nature. They tend to be introspective people, simple people, kind of looked down upon but these people, subhanAllah, I mean, think about how much they're interacting with the creation and just looking out to the sky and to themselves. And he accepted Islam very easily, right? So Abu Huraira anhu is an orphan boy. He says, "Kuntu ar'a li ahli. And I used to just tend to the sheep of my family. فَكَانَتْ لِي And I had a, a kitten. I had a huraira. A huraira is literally a kitten. قَالَ So he said, I used to keep it in my sleeve. So this little kitten he used to walk around with in his sleeve. He loved this cat and he kept it with him in his sleeve. And I used to play with this kitten while I was tending to the sheep. So he loved cats and he had a particular little kitten that he would walk around with. So he said that the Prophet Sallallahu called me Abu Hurayrah. In one narration, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi called him Abu Hurayrah or his people started to call him Abu Hurayrah, Right. So it's a nice nickname that he loves and... Uh, you know, obviously that cat was going to grow up, right? And so there's, a, there's a, a twist in the story with the Prophet as well. But he keeps the nickname Abu Hurayra, right? The father of the kitten, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So if you don't like cats, are you a bad person? <laughs> You're saying yes. I mean, if it was like how I'd say I, I agree with you. Because who doesn't love cats, right? But uh, no, it's obviously something particular to this companion. Uh, but there is something good about treating cats well, inshallah ta'ala. And there is, uh, you can use that story. If you have a cat in your house, tell them to treat the cat well. And maybe inshallah, you can memorize some ahadith too. And hopefully it be like uh, Abu Hurayra. Uh A true story, we used to call my mother, rahmatullah alayha, Um hurairah Because she used to play with cats a lot. So maybe there's something about good people and cats. But I won't go too far uh, into that tangent. And if you have allergies, there's nothing wrong with you. Uh, but this is definitely a companion who's famous for it his cat as well. Now the Prophet ﷺ gave people nicknames that also showed a sense of importance to him. So if the Prophet ﷺ called you by a nickname, it became your favorite name because it showed a level of affection. So it was interesting with Sayyidina Ali ta'ala anhu, Ali ibn Abi Talib, right? When the Prophet ﷺ was calming things down, when he had an argument with uh, Fatima r.a. and he went to sleep in the masjid and the Prophet ﷺ went and dusted him off and he said, قُمْ ya Aba Turab, Stand up, O oh father of dirt. Ali loved that name because the Prophet ﷺ was doing it in laughter, right? It's a form of affection. Like, I'm not mad at you. Don't take this as a, as, as a point of anger. I'm not insulting you. But then people later on in Islamic history who don't understand anything, tried to use it to insult him. And it was his favorite nickname. Because the Prophet ﷺ said it to him in affection, right? Remember in Hudayf ibn al-Yaman's story, does anyone remember what he called him? Anyone remember? It was only a few weeks ago. Nauman or Niman, head. Right and Udayfa loved that nickname, wa Allahu taala anhu, because the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said it to him from a place of affection. So Abu Huraira is a name that is beloved to Abu Hurairah because the Prophet called him that, and there is a mutual relationship here where Abu Huraira will frequently narrate from Abu al-Qasim, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's name as Abu al-Qasim, calling him by his kunya, to reflect that he had a special relationship with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So this is Abu Huraira. His physical appearance was actually also uh, very pleasant. He had a bronze skin, a a reddish beard, and they said he had a very unique appearance. He was very handsome, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, very humorous and very pleasant. And this is something that you'll love about his story. And again, something about the guy that takes care of cats, right? He was very funny, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. used to play with children, used to make people laugh, and had a very pleasant demeanor about him, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So when does he get to come and be with the Prophet Now remember Tufail did not bring his people to Medina until later on. Okay, they were part of Najran, so he brings them later on. Now, when he brought them uh, to the Prophet SallAllahu Abu Hurairah mentions the morning he got to Medina. So this is where you already start to see the brilliance of the man's memory. He says, وقدمت المدينة مهاجرا فصليت الصبح خلف سباع ابن ابن عرفطة رضي الله تعالى عنه. he said that I came to Medina the day the Prophet ﷺ left for Khaybar and I prayed fajr and I prayed behind سباع رضي الله تعالى عنه كان استخلفه and he said فقرأ في السجدة الأولى بسورة مريم وفي الآخرة lil uh, لِلْمُطَفِّثِينَ <لِلْمُطَفِّين> He said that he read in the first raka'a Surah Maryam and in the second raka'a Surat al So he even remembered the first two surahs he prayed in Medina with the companion the day that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam went out for Khaybar. So this will give him four years with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Four years where he's going to really attach himself to the messenger He says that when I came to Medina, he said, I had one servant with me, and he, he fled from Abu Hurairah somewhere along the way. And he said, so it was just me and my mother. And my mother is a blind woman, old woman. And I was taking care of her, and she would go with me wherever I went. So his mom really doesn't know why they're moving. All right, his mother's name was what? Maymuna. So his mother does not know why they're moving. And Abu Hurairah initially sets up in dhul Huleifa dhul Huleifa is where the, the station, the Miqat is now when you go for Umrah or Hajj, right? So in that area of Dul Huleifa, he sets up his mother over there and he attaches himself to the messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And here you find one of the most beautiful aspects and elements of the life of Abu anhu, which is the story with his mother. When he comes to Medina with his mother, to Dul Huleifa. His mom is asking these questions. Why are we here? What are we doing here? And he loved his mother tremendously. So when he tells his mother that he embraced Islam um, and that they have moved to Medina and he's going to serve the Prophet Sallallahu She cursed the Prophet Sallallahu she, she cursed Islam. She cursed Abu Hurairah. She was extremely upset. And she started to say all of these horrible things. Now listen to what Abu Hurair radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, and I'll take the narration in his own words. Qala, الله الله I came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa crying. So he's giving you his emotion. And I was walking to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam crying, and I said, Ya Rasulullah, إِنِّي كُنْتُ أدعو أُمِّي إِلَى الْإِسْلَامِ فَتَأْبَى ما أكره it's very specific. He says, I was calling my mother to Islam, O Messenger of Allah, and she was refusing to embrace Islam. And today when I tried to give her di'wah, she caused me to hear about you, what I hate to hear. So basically, he's telling the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi she's insulting you. Keep in mind here, historical context. This is Medina, late in the seerah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi The Prophet Sallallahu has full control, right? Does the Prophet ﷺ say, go back home and do this to her? Does the Prophet ﷺ say, bring her to me and then humiliate her and make an example out of her? What is the Prophet ﷺ going to do about the situation where Abu Hurairah saying, she's saying this stuff about you and it's bothering me. And SubhanAllah, he's worried about what? He's worried about first and foremost, her situation in the Akhirah. My mother is an old woman. I don't know what's going to happen to her if she's cursing the Prophet. ﷺ, so the Prophet raised his hands, and he said, "Allahumma hadi umma abi Hura." Allahumma hadi umma abi Hura. O oh Allah, guide the mother of Abu Hura. O oh Allah, guide the mother of Abu Hura. O oh Allah, guide the mother of Abu Hura. قال فخرجتُ مستبشراً بدعوة نبي الله صلى الله عليه وسلم. He said, "So I went back home and." I had the glad tidings of the du'a of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He'd already seen the miracle of the du'a of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he said, Allah Mahdi dosa." Oh Allah, guide Dawsa. So he knows that there's something special about the du'a of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And subhanAllah, it pains him. You talk about the struggle of the converts, the struggle of the companions. It pains him to know that he has dedicated his life to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his mother might die cursing the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You think about the fitna of the companions and the fitna of those people who call people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. SubhanAllah, one of my, my brothers in, in da'wah, you know, who gives da'wah as well. And he, he told me about how I talk about my own mother, Muhammad And he said, you know, you can live your whole life as a tribute to your mother. You can dedicate your da'wah to her. What about me? What about me? This is a serious fitna for people. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide the mothers of all of those Mashaykh and du'at and all of those people, those that convert to Islam, and give them the coolness of their eyes in that guidance. Allahumma ameen. So it's, it's painful to him that he, he, can't, he can't see his mother die this way. So he says, I went back home and the door was shut and I saw the water running. I heard the water running and, and, and the water was coming from under the door as well. So, as I was about to open the door, it was closed, and my mother shouted out and said, Mechanic, Abu Mechanic. Stay in your place, Abu Hurairah. Stay in your place. And then he said that she finished taking a shower. She got dressed. She wrapped her head. And she opened the door. And the first thing she said to Abu Hurairah, Ya Abu Hurairah, Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah, Washadu Anna Muhammadan abduhu Abduhu Rasulul. First thing she said to him, SubhanAllah, before anything else, was the Shahada. Imagine how happy he was. الله الله he said, This time I came to the Prophet ﷺ crying but out of joy. The first time I came to the Prophet ﷺ crying out of sadness, now I came to the Prophet ﷺ crying out of joy to give him. The good news. قُلْتُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ أَبْشِرْ قَدْ إسْتَجَابَ اللَّهُ وَهَدَى أُمِّ أَبِي O oh, Messenger of Allah, glad tidings. Allah answered your dua. Allah guided the mother of Abu Huraira. فَحَمِدَ اللَّهَ وَأَثْنَى عَلَيْهِ وَقَالَ خيرا. The Prophet praised Allah and he, he he extolled Him, and the Prophet ﷺ said, "That's good news." قَالَ قُلْتُ يَا رسول الله. Abu Hurayra doesn't stop. He knows the power of the dua of the Prophet I said, O Messenger of Allah, Wa أن SubhanAllah, very specific dua, O Messenger of Allah, make dua to Allah, ask Allah to make Abu Hurairah and his mother beloved to the believers, and to make the believers beloved to them. So make the believers, all the mu'mineen, love Abu Huraira and the mother of Abu Huraira, And let Abu Huraira and his mother love the believers. So the Prophet ﷺ, he raised his hands and he asked Allah, "O oh Allah, make Abu Hurairah and his mother beloved to all of the believers. And make the believers beloved to them. قَالَ فَمَا خُلِقَ مُؤْمِنٌ يَسْمَعُ بِي وَلَا يَرَاني إِلَّا أَحَبَّنِي he said, So no believer was born except that he saw me and he loved me. He saw me or heard me and loved me. So I saw the dua of the Prophet. And you're going to see this, subhanAllah, even in the time of the fitna, where sides start to break out. Abu Hurairah is loved by all sides, Allah, ta'ala, except for the Khawarij, because they're a different story, right? Those that are killing everyone and the extremists, they're a different story. But the, the believers. The believers on both sides, both love Abu Hurayrah رضي الله تعالى when Abu Hurayrah says, no believer that I ever encountered, or a believer that heard of me, heard of me except that they love me. So, there's a question here, just like when we talk about the Prophet saying about Ahlul Bayt, about the people of his household. Oh Allah, love those who love them. It's a part of Iman to love Abu Hurayra. Or When the Prophet said, Oh Allah, love those who love the Ansar or uh, that, that, that to love the Ansar is a part of faith, then loving Abu Hurairah radiAllahu ta'ala anhu is a part of Imam. And so we ask Allah to make us amongst those that love Abu Hurairah and his mother and that are beloved to the one who made them beloved to us. Allahumma ameen. So this changes the situation for him drastically. Abu Hurairah radiAllahu anhu, this orphan boy, now has his mother Maymuna, who's an old blind woman, and they're both believers. The beauty doesn't stop there of this relationship. Abu Hurairah radiallahu ta'ala anhu, every single day had this habit with his mother. So his mother was in one room, basically two separate doors to the singular structure, but it was technically uh, two houses or, you know, like a duplex of sorts, whatever you want to call it, right? But the point is that he has to go to her door from the outside. So every single day, what would Abu Hurairah do? Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu, idha arada an yakhruj, this is in adab al-mufrad by Imam Bukhari, every time he would leave his house, waqafa ala babiha. He would go and he would stand at his mother's door. And he said, Assalamu alaikia ummata wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So he gives salam, oh my dear mother, and the mercy of Allah and His blessings. And she would say, wa alaikasalamu ya bunayt wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. She'd so give back salam. And he would say, رَحِمَكَ كَمَا رَبَّيْتَنِي صغيرة. May Allah have mercy on you as you raised me when I was young. And she would respond and she would say, رَحِمَكَ كَمَا بَرَرْتَنِي كبيرة. And may Allah have mercy on you, O oh my dear son, as you have shown me nothing but righteousness in my old age. And when he would come back home, he'd go do the same thing. So he wouldn't leave his house or come back home except that he'd stand in front of his door and greet his mother and make du'a for her and she would greet him and make du'a for him as well. So Abu Hurairah anhu deeply loved his mother Maymuna radiallahu ta'ala anha and subhanAllah it's no coincidence that he is the narrator of the famous hadith that the women love. The men sometimes feel a little slighted by it, which is ummak thumma ummak abak, your mother, then your mother, then your mother, then your father. Abu Hurairah anhu is the narrator of that hadith. From the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, we have to accept it, brothers, and you know it, it's it's an authentic hadith. But it's no it's no coincidence that this is narrated from Abu Huraira taala anhu. And Subhanallah, in one of the narrations in Sahih Muslim, in fact, uh, the narrator says, and this is actually recorded in Muslim, It's narrated that Abu Hurairah did not even do Anhu until his mother passed away because he wanted to keep her company. And he did not get married until she died. So Abu Hurairah had a special relationship with his mother. May Allah be pleased with him and be pleased with her. And this is your first introduction to this orphan boy that comes to Medina that is now caught between what he's going to do in shadowing the Prophet while also serving his mother, being her only child and not having anyone else. In the, uh, in the house. So this is the first introduction to this young man رضي الله تعالى عنه. Now that's one life of Abu Hurayr which is the service to his mother. The other side of his life in this regard in, in these four years with the Prophet وسلم, is of course the one that he's more famous for, which is being the leader of Ahl Sufa. Now Ahl Sufa is a term that's used to refer to those people who are technically homeless they, they would come to Medina and they were muhajirin, they were people that were migrants from outside, and they would sleep in the masjid. And the Sahaba, the Ansar would particularly, when they got their, their first batch of, of crops, they'd go to the people of Sufa. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he would stand up in the masjid, he would say, every one of you take Someone from Ahlul Sufa home, and Allah Azza will make it so that one, you know, the, the food that amounts for one person will amount for two and two for three, and so on and so forth. So the Prophet would encourage the Sahaba frequently, go take someone from Ahlul Sufa and care for them in your homes. Usually it's a temporary state, you're not permanently from Ahlul Sufa. But these are young people or, or people that are single men that are dedicated to the Prophet and whose situation is still not settled in Medina. And it in and of itself is a beautiful state that the Prophet puts them in the masjid. In the masjid. And this kind of shows you the discrepancy between how the Prophet thought of a masjid and how we think of a masjid. Right? That this is masjid Rasulillahi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he wanted to make sure that the poorest of the community were visible that they were not invisible to the rest of the community and he would make dua for those that would care for them and the Prophet ﷺ would always take them and he would care for them and if someone invited the Prophet ﷺ, he'd bring Ahlul Suffa with him. So Abu Hurairah is in this situation as well, okay? For some time, he is part of the people of as Suffa and I actually want to show you all an image because you can actually uh, see where Ahlul Suffa are uh, today if it comes up, there it is. So right between, or right uh, after you enter from Bab Jibril, and this is typically uh, where the women's section is now, you'll see this elevated structure. Uh, a sufa literally refers to an elevated structure. So they were on an elevated structure, in the message of the Prophet Sallallahu in them, and that structure is still marked uh, by this here. So this is where Abu Huraira radiallahu taala anhu and that group of people would stay. Now Abu Huraira radiallahu taala anhu mentions the hunger, the poverty. And some of the scholars, the writers mentioned that, look, you know, it's already hard enough as a shepherd that's barely living off of a few coins amongst your own people. Now you have to come situate yourself amongst the people. And those types of jobs are already taken, right? Those are the first, that's the first set of jobs that are taken. And so Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu does not have a way to earn for himself yet. And he is dedicated to the Prophet to learn from the Prophet And this is something unique only to the life of the Prophet Why? Because it's condemnable for a person to inflict poverty on themselves after the Prophet so that they can, you know, be in the Masjid, for example, right? That's a condemnable state. You'll find narrations from Sayyidina Umar in that regard to voluntarily inflict poverty on yourself. But how many years do you have with the Prophet right? While he's on this earth. And Abu Hurairah anh, wants to dedicate himself to the Prophet So he's new to the community, and he doesn't have tribesmen, and he would suffer from extreme hunger. So he says, and there are a few narrations, People used to say that Abu Hurairah narrates too much. He has too many ahadith. And he explains, he said that I used to accompany the Prophet ﷺ with every single moment of my life, even to the point that I wouldn't have enough to put food in my stomach. Now the Prophet ﷺ would go days without food, but he's different So Abu Rayyla doesn't want to miss a moment with the Prophet ﷺ, So he would say, I'd be with him and basically at the expense of my stomach. So he said that I wouldn't, you know, I'd go days without having a loaf of bread or having any, you know, date or anything like that. And he didn't want to ask. He's too dignified to ask anyone for food. He doesn't want to tell anyone that he's hungry. So he's hoping that someone will notice. He said, so I used to tie stones to my stomach out of hunger. And this was something that we see even from the Prophet ﷺ in Khandaq, tying a stone to your stomach as a means of uh, dealing with your Hunger, he says. وَإِنْ كُنْتُ الرَّجُلَ الْآيَةُ. He بِي فَيُطَعِّمَنِي. He said, so I would say salam to someone and I would have an ayah of the Quran that I already know, but I'd ask him about an ayah from the book of Allah, hoping that they would notice me and they would feed me. And he says, وَكَانَ أَخْيَرُ النَّاسِ لِلْمِسْكِينِ جَعْفَرُ He said, Jafar was the most generous of people. عنه, he said, He said, Ja'far would take us and he would feed us, the people of Sufa, with whatever was in his house. He says, Until it would come to a point that we would just have the container that the butter was left on, and I would lick whatever I could get off of it, because that was the most that we could have. And Ja'far would give everything in his house until, you know, The only thing that you could get from him That shows you the extreme situation of poverty that they lived in The only thing that you you could get from him Was licking the can or the surface Where butter had once touched So this is the hadith in Al-Bukhari And he mentions in another narration You know, this is later on in his life When he wasn't in such poverty He says that I remember those days That I would pass out right outside of the house of Aisha radiallahu anha. Meaning he'd stay with the Prophet until the Prophet got to the house of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. And he said that I'd pass out and he'd point to the pillar. I remember passing out a few times out of hunger and I just sit there and hold my stomach. And he said that uh, a person would come, ala sadri and he'd, he'd sit next to me and he would think that I'm a crazy person. So I'd say to him, Laysa huwa al-ju'a. "Look, I'm not sick. It's just I'm not a crazy person or anything like that. It's jua, it's hunger that's causing me to be in this situation. I'm just hungry, right?" So he's describing this situation that he had. So the most famous hadith in this regard, and it's a beautiful hadith. Abu Hurairah, taala anhu, says in a long hadith in Bukhari, and I'm going to just say it in English because it's very long. He said that. I swear by Allah that I used to lay on the ground and I used to press my stomach to the ground out of hunger at times and I used to bind a stone over my stomach and he said that one day I sat at the place that the Prophet ﷺ would pass by and the Prophet ﷺ um, and his companions would come out from this area so he said Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu passed by and he said, "Was asked him about a verse from Asked him about a verse from the book of Allah, and he said, "I already knew the answer." So I asked him a question about tafsir. What does this ayah mean? What does this ayah mean? And I was hoping that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu would take notice and he'd invite me to eat. He said, "So I told him, you know, can you explain this verse to me?" And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu explained the ayah and then he walked away. Then he said, "Umar radiallahu anhu came out." He said, "Asked him about a verse I just asked him about a verse from the book of Allah, hoping he'd notice." But Umar anhu answered the tafsir question and moved on as well. He said, so finally, the Prophet Sallallahu comes out. And he said, he knew, mafi في wa mafi qalbi. He knew what was on my face and what was in my heart. SubhanAllah, the Prophet ﷺ recognized hunger because he was the hungriest of the people Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He used to go days without food Sallallahu Wasallam. So he said, the Prophet Sallallahu looked at me. And before I said anything to him, he said, Ya Abahir, O father of the grown cat. All right, father of the grown cat. So the Prophet was joking with him, and obviously Hurairah had become a big cat by now. I mean, it's been years, right? The Prophet was joking with him, and this was a means of lightening the mood. So he said, "Ya Abahir. Hir, Sabu so Hureyra anhu said ya Rasulullah. Here I come, O Messenger of Allah. What is it?" So the Prophet said, "Follow me." So. I followed him and I'm like, Alhamdulillah, the Prophet ﷺ got it and this is all going to go well. So the Prophet SallAllahu asks, uh, he enters into his home and uh, he asks for permission from me and I enter with him as well. And the Prophet SallAllahu finds a pitcher of milk. So he says, where is this milk from? And they say that someone gifted it to you, Ya Rasulullah. So this is one of his wives, SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam. So the Prophet SallAllahu looks at me, he's got this milk in his hand. This is going great so far. The Prophet says, Ya Abahir. And he says, Labayk. The Prophet said, Go call all of Ahlul Sufa. So, what he anhu says, I went out to the masjid and he gives this context. He said, When the Prophet used to get any gift, subhanAllah, the first thing the Prophet would do is he'd call for Ahlul Sufa. So he said, This was the habit of the Prophet. He finds something in his house, but he was hoping something to be a little bit different right now. Like, clearly, I'm extremely hungry right now. I need this myself, and this is only going to delay it. And he said that when the Prophet said that, I got upset. So he's actually saying, like, on the inside, I was like, Come on. Like, I'm hungry, clearly. And he said, I felt like I was more entitled to that milk than anyone else, but the Prophet gave me a command, so I wanted to respond to the command of the Prophet and I wondered what would remain from the milk if it was given to ahl Sufa. but at the same time I obey Allah and I obey the Messenger so I went to ahl Sufa, I called on them they all came and the Prophet said Abahir he said Labayki Ya Rasulullah so sit over here the Prophet said uh, take it and give it to them so he's taking it and he's serving the milk to all of them so he said that I would give it to someone and I was hoping the Prophet ﷺ would say to me, now your turn. But the Prophet ﷺ said, now that person, now that person, now call the next batch in. So he said, and I'm thinking to myself, well, there's not going to be anything left for me. Right? So one by one, the Prophet ﷺ says, admit the next batch, admit the next batch, and they're all drinking from the same pitcher of milk. And then after all of it was done, and Abu Hurairah is wondering, how is there still milk in this thing? The Prophet ﷺ Says, Abahir. He said, Labaika, Ya Rasulullah. The Prophet ﷺ said, It's just you and me. He, he literally says that to him. Look, it's just you and me now, right? So, Abu anhu says, "Sadaqti, Ya Rasulullah. You've told the truth, O Messenger of Allah. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Go ahead and drink. Now, Abu Huraira didn't want to drink before the Prophet. ﷺ. Now it's awkward, right? Like it's just me and the Prophet. ﷺ, and clearly, the Prophet ﷺ needs to drink from it as well. And so Abu Hurairah says, You first, Ya Rasulullah. He said, No, you drink, you drink, until I drink. And he said that I drank, and subhanAllah, I found it to be still full of milk. And I drank, and I drank, and the Prophet ﷺ said, "Ishrab, drink more. So he said, I drank, and I drank, and the Prophet ﷺ said, "Ishrab," and I drank more. He said, until I got so full of the milk that I couldn't drink anymore. So I told the Prophet ﷺ, Ya Rasulullah, I don't have any more space for it. So the Prophet said, in that case, hand it over to me. And the Prophet took from it and he praised Allah, Hamid Allah, he praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he said, Bismillah. And the Prophet drank from the milk himself SallAllahu alayhi Wasallam at the end of Abu Hurair radiAllahu Anhu and all of Ahlul Sufa drinking from this milk. The amount of lessons from this, it's in Kitab al-Riqaq by Al-Bukhari and many other uh, chapters, SubhanAllah, you could literally spend an entire just with the lessons of the adab, of the mannerisms by which you treat the poor from this hadith. But I think the point suffices that this is the life of Abu Hurairah with the Prophet. ﷺ. SubhanAllah, there's another riwayah, it's not the one that, that's famously quoted. He said, Abu Hurairah says, he said, I, I saw Umar sometime after that and I told him what happened. I was like, you know, I saw you outside the masjid and I was hoping you'd notice I was hungry. <laughs> but you didn't notice. So the Prophet came and uh, he said that Allah willed that someone who had more right than you would take notice of me and would, uh, would know better than you in that situation. And Umar رضي الله عنه was so upset with himself. Because that's Umar رضي الله عنه and he said, وَاللَّهِ يَا أَبَا هُرَيْرَىٰ لَأَنْ أَكُونَ أَدْخَلْتُكَ أَحَبُّ إِلَيَّ مِنْ أَنْ يَكُونَ لِي مِثْلُ أُمْرِ النِّعْمِ He said that I swear, O oh Abu Hurairah, that if I would have noticed and given you something to eat that day, it would have been better to me than a valley of red camels, which was the most prized blessing that they had at the time from this world. So it's like, I wish I noticed and I wish I could have had the ajr, the reward of feeding you that day. But only the Prophet sallallahu knew it in that day. Now I want to go through some of the uh, stories of Abu Hurairah from the time of the Prophet sallallahu that are extremely unique. One of them, Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu says that the Prophet sallallahu once in charge me, or charge me with, uh, صدق, 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 well, says sadaqah here but zakat al-fitr, just to be very precise, in Ramadan. Okay, so, so the sadaqah of al-fitr, zakat al-fitr as we know it. So the Prophet ﷺ gave Abu Huraira ta'ala anhu responsibilities with baytul mal and discharging to the poor. And in and of, in and of that self, uh, you know, some of my teachers, they mentioned that that is from the hikmah of the Prophet ﷺ, in and of itself, that the Prophet ﷺ took a poor person and put him in charge of delivering to the poor as well, because he will know the ahwal, he'll know the situation of the people. So Abu Hurairah is in charge of zakatul fitr, he can recognize things, he can properly take that, you know, that responsibility and do what he has to do. Sadhu Hurair radiallahu ta'ala anhu said that when I went to Beitud Ma, so obviously they're not delivering cash, right? They're delivering grain, they're delivering, you know, raw stuff. He said, I saw a robber, a thief that was taking from it. So he said, so I caught him. And I said, Wallahi, I'm going to take you to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And the man said to him, and this is in the darkness of the night. He said, look, I'm a poor man and I have a large family and I have great need. So let me go, just let me off this time. I'll put it back and I won't come back. So the man put the stuff back and Abu Huraira said, in the morning I went to the Prophet and Rasulullah said, Ya Abu Huraira, ma What did your prisoner do last night? Abu Hurairah said, how did you know I had a prisoner? Right? So he was surprised that the Prophet knew what happened. So he said, Ya Rasulullah, the man complained about being needy and having a large family. So I felt sorry for him and I let him go. So the Prophet ﷺ said, he lied to you and he's going to do it again. So Abu Hurair said, I knew he was going to come back because the Prophet ﷺ said that. So I stayed up at night and I watched and waited for the man to come back. He said, the man came back and he once again started to steal. So I caught him again and I said, this time, I'm definitely taking you to the Prophet ﷺ. You fooled me once, but I won't let it happen again. And the man started to beg me and he said, look, I won't come back. And he started to cry and he said, I've got a large family. Let me go. And so he said, I felt sorry for him again, I let him go. So the Prophet ﷺ saw me in the morning and said, Mafa'ala Asirok, what did your prisoner do? So I said, Ya Rasulullah, he complained and he looked like he was in a lot of pain, he was in great need. I mean, who has more empathy than the Prophet? ﷺ, right? So this is what Abu Hurayr was thinking. This is just a situation of empathy. So he said, I let him go, Ya Rasulullah. Prophet ﷺ said, he's lying to you and he's going to come back again. So Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu says, a third night I waited, I watched and the man once again came to steal. So he said, you know, I caught him and I said, I'm taking you to the Prophet ﷺ, and this time I don't want to hear anything about your family. I don't want to hear anything about how poor you are. I'm taking you to Rasulullah. The man said to him, forgive me, I won't come back. He said, I'll teach you some words that Allah will benefit you by and that will protect you. So I said, what are they? So he said, when you go to sleep, recite Allah la ilaha illahu al qayyum until the end of the verse. And if you do so, if you recite ayatul kursi, Allah will appoint a guard for you that will stay with you and no shaytan will come to you until the morning. So Abu anhu was kind of spooked by this incident, right? Like this is a strange incident that happens. So he said, I let him go again. And the Prophet ﷺ said to him, in the morning, ما فعل سيرك, what did your prisoner do? So I said, Ya Rasulullah, I caught him. And then he said to me, Look, I'll never come back if you recite these words. So the Prophet ﷺ said, What were the words? So I recited Ayatul Kursi, and the Prophet ﷺ said the famous words, Sadaqa wa huwa He told the truth, but he's still a liar. He told the truth, but he's still a liar. Ya Abu Hurairah, do you know who that was? He said no. Who was it? A shaytan. Okay, a shaytan. It's an authentic hadith. It's one of the great lessons that you can learn something from anybody at some point. <laughs> As the scholars mentioned, subhanAllah, even the shaytan could tell the truth sometimes. When I say a broken clock is right twice a day, even the shaytan was capable at that moment of telling the truth. But he is a liar. And this is one of those. Uh, Unique instance that happened with Abu Hurairah radiallahu taala anhu. Now the question becomes, and I kind of have to go through this a little bit quickly because of time. Uh, how does he know so much from the Prophet sallallahu How many ahadith, and what was that process like of gaining knowledge from the Prophet sallallahu And I want you to actually think of yourself: if you walked into Medina twenty years after the death of the Prophet sallallahu and you walked into Masjid Nabawi. The largest halaqah in the masjid of the Prophet was the halaqah of Abu Huraira by consensus. There were more people in his halaqah than anyone else. This is in the time of the companions and the tabi'een. As we'll see, he lived long after the Prophet. The largest halaqah in the masjid of the Prophet. So what was that process like? And the first people to question the integrity of Abu Hurairah were the people of fitnah that killed Uthman. عنه, the beginnings of the khawarij, the extremists of this ummah. Why? Because Abu Huraira sided with the companions against them, obviously. So they wanted to throw insults and make claims about him. And they were the first people to question his integrity. How does he memorize so many ahadith? How does he get so much from the Prophet in four years? Where there were companions that stayed with the Prophet for much longer. And they didn't narrate as much as him. So first and foremost, the way he shadowed the Prophet Ubay ibn Ka'ab says that Abu Hurairah would shadow the Prophet SallAllahu when none of us would. And he said, and he would ask him everything, لا يسأله غيره. And no one else would ask the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam but Abu Hurair radiallahu would ask the Prophet SallAllahu So he would ask the Prophet SallAllahu questions. And he shadowed him all the way. And in one narration, he said to the Prophet SallAllahu Alaihi Wasallam, يا رسول الله من أسعد الناس بشفاعتك O oh, Messenger of Allah, who will be the happiest person with your intercession? May Allah grant us the intercession of the Prophet. And he responded, the Prophet وسلم, said, ya Hurayra, la an hadithi mink. That I knew O oh, Abu Huraira, no one was going to ask me about this before you or or, or other than you in this regard. Lima min ala because of what I've seen of you, of your enthusiasm. To learn from the Prophet and the Prophet said, in the assa nafsihi." the Prophet said, the happiest person on the day of judgment is the person who said, La ilaha sincerely from their heart. That person is going to be so happy with my intercession on that day. May Allah Azza grant us the intercession of the Prophet. And the Prophet said, in one narration, uh, in the Hakim, which has some slight weakness to him, but he said Abu Huraira, weya min al-'ilm that Abu Huraira is a vessel of knowledge. In an authentic narration, Abu Huraira radiyallahu anhu says, "Qadim to Allahi wa Rasulullahi sallallahu alaihi wasallam bi Khaybar." I came to the Prophet sallallahu from the time of Khaybar. Wa ana yama idin qad zittu ala and at that point, I had reached thirty years, so I was about thirty years old. Wa akam ma'ahu. حَتَّى تَوُفِّيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ And I stayed with him until he passed away. I would go with him even to the homes of his wife صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ وَأَخْدُمُهُ And I would serve him صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ وأغزو. And I, would, and, and I would fight alongside him and I'd go out with him in hajj خلفه, and I'd go pray with the Prophet and so I was the most knowledgeable of people in regards to his hadith for that reason, because of his shadowing the Prophet and that's why you find that those who narrate from him in this regard he said even Umar, Uthman Ali, Talha and Zubair somehow 10, 10 promised paradise they narrate from Abu Ghraira because of how close he was to the Prophet. And Talha ibn Ubaydullah, who was with the Prophet وسلم, early on in Mecca, he said, La ashukku, I have no doubt in anything Abu Huraira narrates. He said, Because he heard from the Prophet وسلم, what none of us heard, because we would come to the Prophet وسلم, at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, but Abu Huraira never left his side. He was, he was a shadow to the Prophet. And Zayd ibn Thabit radiallahu anhu describes that moment when Abu Hurairah first entered into the masjid and he starts to attend the halaqat of the Prophet ﷺ and stay close to him. And he, he's telling the tabi'in, he says, Listen to Abu Hurairah. He said, Because once three of us were in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, waiting for the Prophet Nad'uullah wa nazkuru. I mean, this is such a beautiful scene. Three companions, young companions, and we were making dua and we were remembering Allah together and they're waiting next to the door of the Prophet. ﷺ. الله الله and then the Prophet came out and he sat with us. I don't hear you all making salawat by the way. So they were ready to stop making dua, and the Prophet saw they were in the zone. So the Prophet said, Go ahead and continue, keep making dua. So now you're making dua, and the Prophet is saying, Ameen. Right? So they all started to make dua. And first Zayd went. And then his friend went, Abu Hurairah waited till the end. And look at the, the intelligence of Abu Hurairah. Abu Hurairah said, so I made dua, I said, Oh Allah and grant grant me everything that my companions asked for, an and, and knowledge that would not be forgotten. And the Prophet said, Ameen. So he said, I took their du'as as well, and I took the dua uh, for knowledge that would never be forgotten. And so then Zayd said, we said to Rasulullah, وسلم, make the same dua for us, the Prophet said, biha al ad-Dawsi," that the young dawsi man beat you to it. You know, some du'as have a window. <laughs> so this was a window. And this is where you find that beyond just staying close to the Prophet, وسلم, a miracle that happened with Abu Huraidhu, that the Prophet وسلم, uh, or Abu Hurayallahu anhu came to the Prophet. And he said, Ya Rasulullah, inni asma'u minka hadithan kathira, ansahu. Ya Rasulullah, I hear so much from you and sometimes I forget. So he's complaining to the Prophet about sometimes forgetting things. So the Prophet said, give me your cloak, your rida. And the Prophet spread it out and the Prophet made dua. And it was as if he was pouring something in it. And then the Prophet told him to put it back on and he held it close to his chest and listened to what Abu Hurairah radiyallahu ta'ala anhu said he said Fama nasi and ba'dahu i never forgot anything after that not even a harf not even a letter from what the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said so this is from the miracles of the prophet sallallahu that abu hurairah anhu would remember everything he heard from the prophet sallallahu alaihi with precision and he would narrate it and he wouldn't make a mistake Now subhanallah one of the one of the, the first tests of hadith because this was the thing Like how does he know so much From the Prophet Was About four decades later Marwan ibn Hakim Wanted to test Abu Hurairah He was the governor of Medina So he told Abu Hurairah sit And he said uh, You know He had people sit behind Abu Huraira Behind a curtain And write down everything He said And he said Narrate everything that you know From the Prophet Abu Huraira narrated Everything for the entire day. From day to night, he just kept on saying, I heard the Prophet say, I heard the Prophet say, I heard the Prophet say, I heard the Prophet, say, heard the Prophet say, and he had them write it down. And then he brought him back a year later. And he said, Narrate everything that you heard. He said, Wallahi, he narrated everything without anything even being out of order. So it was a miracle. And that's why Imam al-Shafi'i, Rahimahullah says about Abu Hurairah, Qala huwa ummah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In one narration he said, until the day of judgment. That he is the person who has the greatest memory from the Ummah of Muhammad in his time. He said, even until the day of judgment. And so what was his halaqa like? He would pray Fajr in Masjid nabawi And then after Abu, Abu Huraira would narrate a hadith up until Dhuhr. What a halaqa. May Allah allow us to sit in those halaqas in Jannah. Ameen. I mean, that's so beautiful. Every day, Fajr. Pray Buh'a, then listen to Abu Hurairah in the Masjid of the Prophet sallam, tell you everything you heard from the Prophet And so people would gather around to hear from the Prophet sallam, uh, or hear from Abu Hurairah about the Prophet Some of the narrations have stories to them as well. And you can hear them, uh, you can hear the affection. So for example, he said Khalili Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam bi thalath. That my beloved one gave me three advices. He told me to never leave them. He said, Bisliyami Thalatati Ayyam in shahr To fast three days of the month, وركعت, وركعت يضحى, and to pray two raqas of duha, wa an qabla and and for me to pray witr before I sleep. So these three things, he said the Prophet gave them to me as personal advice. So this is a wasiya for the Ummah of Muhammad as well, to fast three days of the month and to Pray two rakahs of duha and to pray witr before you sleep. Listen to this hadith. I love this hadith so much, subhanAllah. That The Prophet ﷺ was with Abu Hurairah and some of the companions. And the Prophet ﷺ said, man y- man y- man Who will take these words of advice from me and act in accordance with them or teach those who will act in accordance with them? You understand the concept? Who's going to take these, these words from me and act upon them or teach people who will act upon them? May Allah make us amongst them. Allahumma Amin. So Abu Hurairah immediately said, "Ana ya Rasulullah, I'll do it, O Messenger of Allah. فأخذ بيدي. So the Prophet took Abu Huraira's hand. فَعَدَّ خَمْسَةً So the Prophet taught him five things and he, with each thing he said to him, he took one finger and he put it down. Look at this teacher ﷺ, So he said, he took my hand and he gave me five advices. He said, اتق المحارم تكون الناس Leave off the haram, leave off the prohibited things. You'll be the greatest of worshipers. You think worship is praying so much in qiyamah. No, no. Leave off what Allah has prohibited. تكون الناس بما قسم الله لك تكون أغنى Be pleased with what Allah has given to you and you'll be the richest of people. That's two. So he's teaching him this way. Remember these five things I'm telling you, O oh Abu Hurairah, and act upon them and teach people that will act upon them. Be good to your neighbor and you'll be a true believer. You want to be a believer? How do you treat your neighbor? This is a very important lesson for us today. So he put the third one down. And then he said. وَأَحِب, وَأَحِب this is an authentic hadith, by the way. Love for people what you love for yourself, you'll be a true Muslim. Love for people what you love for yourself, you'll be a true Muslim. وَلَا تُكْثِرِ فَإِنَّ كَثْرَةَ الْقَلْبِ And don't be excessive with your laughter, because too much laughter kills the heart. It's good to be humorous, it's good to be funny, it's good to show joy. But when you laugh as if there's no concern in the world, and you're never able to be serious, you kill your heart. So the Prophet ﷺ told him this with five things, put his five fingers down, memorize these things, and teach people that will act in accordance with them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us amongst those that act upon it. Allahumma Ameen. One of the stories as well, the famous hadith where the Prophet ﷺ was with the companions one day and he took them to Jumdan, a mountain in Mecca that's all by itself. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Sabak al Mufarri Dun, al Mufaridun, that the loners have gone ahead. The loners have gone ahead. The loners have gone ahead. So they went with the Prophet and they asked the Prophet, وسلم, who are these people? And he said, al Allah Kathira with Zakira. Those who remember Allah frequently from the men and from the women. So this hadith is narrated by Abu Hurairah. And what's narrated from him after that is that he would do tasbih 12,000 times a day. So his wird was to say subhanAllah or do some form of tasbih 12,000 times a day. Now this was my Dhul-Hijjah series, but I found an interesting little tidbit as well. Why the number 12,000? So some of the scholars say that the dia, you know, if you accidentally killed someone, you know, the compensation or if you accidentally hurt someone, the blood money at the time was about 12,000. So Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu was considering this like a ransom of himself from the fire. And he said, bi qadri That I do tasbih in accordance with how many sins I need to expiate for the day. SubhanAllah, this is a companion of the Prophet Look at the fiqh, look at the understanding that he has in his mind and in his heart. رضي He didn't just memorize a hadith from the Prophet He also was a half of Qur'an, which not all of the companions were. And he was one of the muftis of the companions. And so his fiqh was also a great school of fiqh that people would go to him for. And what was his household like? Uh, so he got married when his mom passed away, and I don't have too much time so I'm just going to ask you to go watch a previous episode. He married a woman by the name of Busra bint Ghazwan, Busra bint Ghazwan عنها, was the sister of a famous companion Utbah ibn Ghazwan. So you can go back and watch the episode we have on Utbah bin Ghazwan, عنه, a great companion, one of the first Muslims and a great conqueror from the companions of the Prophet so, Abu Huraira has a story, and it, subhanAllah, in many ways it mirrors somewhat the story of the Prophet with Khadija. Radiallahu anhu. So, I used to tend to her sheep. I was her shepherd. She was a wealthy woman, and I was a shepherd. And then, when my mom passed away and I was ready to get married, the proposal came for me to marry her. So, I married her. And Abu Huraira would be heard saying after Salah sometimes, he'd lead the Salah, and he'd say, Alhamdulillah, Allah azza wa jal blessed me, who took Abu Huraira and blessed him with a spouse like my spouse, and then changed my situation from this to that. Basically, he went from being in poverty to automatically being in a good situation because his wife was a wealthy woman, رضي الله تعالى عنها. So this was his wife. Now, the story continues and it's a beautiful one. What was that household like? So they had one daughter. They had one daughter. al-Nahdi, who was a تابعي, he says that I followed Abu Hurair عنه, and that I went to stay in his home for seven days. And he said that he was the most noble of hosts that I'd ever seen. The most noble of hosts from the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. And he said that he had a system in his house where he, his wife, and one narration his daughter, and one narration his servant, but they would divide qiyam, they'd divide the night by three, and basically every one of them would pray one third of the night and then wake up the other and, then, and go to sleep. So he said it was the most interesting, subhanAllah, thing, system he'd seen of qiyam in a house. So Abu Hurairah will pray one-third of the night, and then he'll wake up his wife, she'll pray the second third, and then she'll wake up her daughter, or she'll wake up the servant, they'll pray the last third of the night, and they'll switch it up for some nights. But imagine a household where someone is praying qiyam the entire night. How beloved is that household to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So he said, they did this for all seven nights. May Allah Azawajal be pleased with them all. And he said, he used to, or this is another narration from Maymun, Ibn Abi Maysara, he says, and when Abu Huraira would wake up every day, the first thing he would say is, wa al-nahr. SubhanAllah, the night is gone, the day has come, and the people of Firaun have been exposed to the fire. Al-nahar wa al-nahr. The same thing, it's very interesting. And he said, so no one hears about the fire النار, except that they seek refuge in Allah from the punishment. So he said, so I seek refuge in Allah from the punishment. And of course, this is referring to the barzakh, uh, the current state of the people of Fir'aun that they are exposed to the fire day and night. Now of his virtues, Allah Taala uh, Ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu praised him. He said that he's better than me. He's, he's more knowledgeable about that, which he says from the Prophet sallallahu And we know Ibn Umar radiallahu anhu loved the Prophet and was, was close to him. Abu Hurairah is the one who led the jana'as of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu after they passed away. And this was a sign of his status. When Hafsa radiallahu anha passed away, Ibn Umar was still alive and he preferred Abu Hurairah to lead the jana'as of Hafsa. When Aisha radiallahu anha passed away, Abu Hurairah led the janazah. When Umm Salama passed away, Abu Hurairah led the janazah. May Allah be pleased with them all. So this was a sign of his status radiallahu anhu that he was the chosen imam for the janazah of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam. And we mentioned his, uh, his great memory. He was someone who was a great uh, mujahid. He used to fight in battle. He fought in the battle of Yamama. He fought in the battle of Yarmouk. He was someone who was appointed as a governor. And I'll just share two more stories inshallah then we'll go ahead and close out. You know, Umar ibn Khattab عنه, was tough on his governors for integrity purposes, right? And Umar had a particular love for Abu Hurairah because he knew he knew so much from the Prophet So when Umar would start the Salah, he would send Abu Huraira to go check on the straightness of the lines, all right? And Umar appointed him as a governor of Bahrain. Now what was Umar's favorite, or not favorite, what was he famous for when it came to the governors? He'd pop up in your city, and then he'd ask the people about you, and he'd see what's in your house, see how much money you had, and then try to measure every discrepancy. This was the justice of Umar You never wanted to get caught, you know, messing up by him, right? So once Umar went to Bahrain, surprised Abu Hurairah, right? He asked the people, the people said great things that he's dealt with us with safety and security and goodness and justice. Everything was traced, but Abu Hurairah had a little extra money. So Umar said, "Min aina Famous statement, where'd you get that from? Abu Ghaira explained, he said, listen, I was homeless for years. I used to barely eat anything. So he said, it's just the frugal lifestyle that I have that I end up saving money. So he said, this little bit of extra money is because I really don't do much with that money when I get it. right? So I don't eat the way that normal people eat. I don't have the same clothes that normal people have. So Omar said, but you may have gotten this money because the people you know, saw you in a particular way. You know, basically was, was grilling him on the discrepancy. So he told him, you should donate at least half of it for the sake of Allah. Abu Hurairah donated all of it to Baytul Mal. And then he made dua for Umar because he didn't want the trouble. Umar anhu went home. Now Umar had the habit of what? Rotating governors. Why? Because he didn't want someone to stay as governor for too long in a place. And then the power, the grip of power would be too much. So he'd take people from different places and put them in different places. Right? So eventually his term ended. And umar wanted to appoint Abu Huraira as a governor again, and Abu Huraira said, "No way, I don't want to be your governor again." <laughs> and umar radiAllahu anhu said, "Why?" He said, I, "I don't want that position." He said, "Someone who is better than you took that position." Yusuf alayhi salam. He said, "Yusuf was a prophet and the son of a prophet. I don't want to be your governor." So umar radiAllahu anhu said, "Why are you leaving this affair just to me? Why are you putting this just on my back?" He said, "Listen." He said, being your governor and t- and entails the, the, these three things. He said, and He said, I'm afraid that they're going to dishonor me, or they'll take my money. And he said, Or I'll get flogged. So he said, People talk about you when you're in power, so I'm either going to get dishonored, or my money is going to get taken somehow, or I'm going to end up, if someone puts out an accusation and holds, I'm going to end up being flogged. And he said, And I'm afraid to speak without knowledge or to judge without gentleness. So leave me alone, Umar. Leave me out of this. So Umar let him go and he did not serve as governor under Umar. Again, he served as a governor of Medina uh, or uh, in charge of Medina later on. And we find that in the time of Uthman he was one of those who defended Uthman Uh, he also was known and this is important, subhanAllah, for his humor with the people. Abu Hurair radiallahu anhu was a funny man And he was a humble man And those two things went hand in hand Humor and humility with him radiallahu anhu Because he would joke with everyone Including the kids So he used to play with the children of Medina And he basically would play hide and seek with them Alright So he touched them, hide And when they would catch him When they would touch him He would act like he was dead Alright And then how do you wake him up? You read Quran on him And then he wakes up and says La ilaha illallah Then he falls back down if he gets caught and they have to read Qur'an on him to wake him up. And then he says, La ilaha illallah. So he was teaching the kids to read Qur'an, to wake him up even in the game that he was playing with the children. And he said that Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu when he was the Amir of Medina because he always wanted to work with his own hands and not take any privilege. He would carry the wood on his back. And sometimes, just to mess with people, he'd carry longer pieces of wood and then he'd walk through the marketplace and said, iftahu Tariq al-Amir, make way for the, for the governor. And people would laugh and they'd go all the, way, all the way to the sides and he'd kind of poke you to the side, uh, right and left. So he had a very pleasant uh, demeanor with the people. And this was from his حسن الخلق, from his uh, good character and from his humility. As I mentioned, he's one of those who defended Uthman عنه, when Uthman uh, was being killed. Um, he's one of those who withdrew from the fitna after the assassination of Uthman radiallahu anhu So he defended Uthman anhu And he defended his own credibility with hadith But when Uthman was killed and things became confusing and you had sahaba on both sides Abu Hurairah was one of those who said, I want nothing to do with this And subhanAllah as we said from the dua of the Prophet Everyone loved him, but he didn't take sides He withdrew himself anhu from the fitna altogether and this is one of, and this is so pertinent to our times, one of the, uh, the the recorded context of the story where he came to the marketplace and he started to say to the people, everyone to the masjid, miraful Rasulillah, the inheritance of the Prophet is being distributed. The inheritance of the Prophet is being distributed, everyone to the masjid. So people left the marketplace and they went to the masjid and they found these circles of fiqh, these circles of Quran, these circles of hadith. And they told Abu Hurairah, are you messing with us? And he said, no. He said, that's the inheritance of the Prophets. And subhanAllah, the scholars mentioned that when fitna grows, the circles of knowledge shrink. And that's exactly what was happening. The circles of knowledge started to shrink. Less people were taking interest in deen. More people were taking interest in drama. And Abu Hurairah was trying to remind them and calibrate them, come back to the masjid of the Prophet and sit and learn. Where he would sit there and he would recite the ahadith of the Prophet all the way from Fajr until dhuhr. He would pass away, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, about 60 years after uh, the Prophet. And subhanAllah, as I said, it was kind of like these youth from the people of fitna, they'd poke at him, they'd say, You narrate so much from the Prophet, trying to implicate him and saying that he lies on behalf of the Prophet. And he said, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that if I told you all that I knew, you would throw me into a ditch and kill me. If I told you all I heard from the Prophet, and what he meant by that are the ahadith about the characteristics of the people of fitna. Right? Which he would narrate radiallahu ta'ala anhu when he would pass away. When he was uh, sick radiallahu ta'ala anhu and the people were still visiting him and they were asking him multiple questions. And they were asking him questions about the fitna, about the trials and tribulations. Abu Rayr radiallahu anhu would answer. And then after some time, he looks up and he smiles and he says, اللهم إني أحب لقاء فأحب qai. Oh Allah, I would love to meet you, so love to meet me. Oh Allah, I would love to meet you, so love to meet me. And he said, رضي الله تعالى عنهم لا تضربوا على قدري أصطاطا ولا تتبعوني بنار He said, look, don't make a ceremony when I pass away. Don't put stuff on my grave. Don't follow me with fire. Don't like these torches and don't, don't make a whole scene. When I pass away He says He said If I'm a righteous person When you're carrying me to my grave Then be quick Because if you're being quick with me You are hastening my meeting With my Lord he said I heard the prophets like some say that when the righteous person passes away and they're being carried on the shoulders that they say hurry up with me hurry up with me they're excited to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and when a wicked person is uh, has passed away then he says woe to you woe to you where are you taking me to and he passed away radiyallahu ta'ala anhu like i said close to 60 years after um, after the death of the Prophet and so many people praised him SubhanAllah ibn Umar رضي that he was the one that used to preserve the hadith of the Prophet وسلم, for this Ummah until today all of the ahadith that you hear from Abu Hurairah رضي الله عنه, he gets a share of the reward one last tidbit uh, رضي الله تعالى عنه that, as I said the students are too many they're companions, they're tabi'een it's literally about 40 pages <laughs> in a seer, alama, nubula, longer than most people's biographies, how many people narrated from him. One of the greatest tabi'in, if not the greatest of them, was Sa'id ibn Musayyib. Sa'id ibn Musayyib, remember that daughter of Abu Hurairah? He married her. And he, he was a great student of Abu Hurairah, and he, by marrying her, he got an extra level of access. Of the strongest chains of hadith, and one that is present in, subhanAllah, almost all of what you, or, or much of what you will read, is from Abu Hurairah to Sa'id ibn Musayyib to Imam Al-Zuhri and then to Sufyan ibn Uyaynah or other uh, great scholars of the Tabi'in and others. So subhanAllah it's a family affair even that this Tabi'i marries this righteous daughter of Abu Hurairah. May Allah be pleased with them all. And then narrates to us about the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. May Allah be pleased with him. May Allah be pleased with all of the great companions. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with the family of the Prophet sallallahu May Allah raise us with them and forgive us for our shortcomings. Allahumma ameen. As I told you all, this is a longer uh, topic, but I, I did my best. Inshallah ta'ala, we'll continue next week. Jazakumullahu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This podcast was brought to you by Yaqeen Institute for Islamic Research. Dismantling doubts and nurturing conviction, one truth at a time. Tune in every week for the next episode. And don't forget to subscribe to this channel and share with friends. Until next time, this has been The Firsts, the Forerunners of Islam.